He said, I do as a coach is try to find what motivates people. And what I learned what motivates me is I love learning about different business models. Because if you look around, there's so many weird ways people can make money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I love learning how that actually works. Mm -hmm. And then I love teaching. Constructing your life is about much more than just building a bank account. Each week, join mindset coach Austin Linney as he interviews guests who are constructing their dream lives and impacting the world around them on a daily basis. If you're an entrepreneur or wanting to start a business, or you just want to hear motivating stories of how others have overcome the odds, you are in the right place. And now for your host, Austin Linney. Guys, welcome back to Construct Your Life. This is Austin Lenny, and I have the man himself, John, in the house. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, it's so good to have you here. Uh, I think that your book is something that people should read. I think the way I describe it is you have to think about your thinking, right? I think that yeah. overall, uh, I love something you said to me earlier. You said that most of the business books are uh, 200 pages of nothing. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> the truth. I, you know what I find myself lately? Uh, l reading a lot about creativity and uh, cinema and biographies. Because, <laughs> because once you've read one business book, I think you've read them all. So, uh, <laughs> you know, don't, don't, wouldn't you agree? Well, I, I think they're, over, they're overly fluffed. Usually there's about... 10 or 20 pages of good stuff, sure. uh, but you can't sell a book for 20 pages. So you have to, you know, they inflate it. <laughs> that would um, be called a memo. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I actually have gotten some pretty good response to the, the book. The book is called Output Thinking, mm -hmm. Scale Faster, Manage Better, and Transform Your Company. And I've had people tell me that they highlight, as they go through books, they typically highlight the parts that they find useful and somebody, people have said, oh, I've highlighted almost everything in this book. So I take that as a compliment. So here's the deal. You have a clean hit on your hand when the highlighter comes out. You know <laughs> it's a good book when the highlighter comes out. So tell people a little bit about you, uh, who you are, and then we'll just get rolling from there. Yeah. So I am, uh, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. I've literally never had a real job. And I've always had different companies. And the most lucrative one and the most unusual one, we sold movie libraries to apartments and it was a marketing tool for them. It'd be like 50 movies in the leasing office. If you rented the apartments there, you could borrow the movies for free overnight. And we changed them out every month. I started that company when I lived in Texas, in Plano, Texas. And about two years into it, it was just getting off the ground. And I really wanted to move back to the Northeast where I'm from just for pers uh, climate reasons and, and lifestyle reasons and all kinds of stuff. And I thought, well, it doesn't make sense to move the company because our customers are in the South and Southwest. But I realized that there are companies with a headquarters in one state and branch offices in another state. And I thought, if they can do it, I can do it. Mm -hmm. And this was in the 90s when the internet didn't make that really easy. Um, and they, were, they would overnight me data tapes so I could see what was going on. Mm -hmm. and two things happened after I moved. One is uh, my workload decreased incredibly because I was no longer the go-to guy to fix everything. I had to put systems in place that kept things operational. 
the other thing that happened was somebody called me up that I used to work with and said, you should look into this thing called coaching. You'd be great at it. And I said, what's that? It hadn't become a buzzword yet. And I looked into it, liked it, started coaching other business owners and was part of a group that founded the International Coach Federation. And I was their fourth president in 1998. So that got me on, uh, on a whole new trajectory in my life. You know, life seems... I don't know if it's an intersection of being in the right place at the right time or life just kind of showing up for you. You know, you're saying, what's a coach? And then you get to do this thing because I know because I've coached for years, not as long as you have. Um, it's something that will always be a part of me. It's something that fills me up to, to watch people grow, uh, you know, before you even knew what it was. And now you sit here today, I'm sure you have so many stories of, of successful clients and the relationships that you build. It's probably something that's always given you joy. Yeah, what I what I one of the things that I do as a coach is try to find what motivates people. And what I learned what motivates me is I love learning about different business models cuz mm -hmm. if you look around there's so many weird ways people can make money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um mm -hmm. so I love learning how that actually works mm -hmm. and then I love teaching. And so mm -hmm. coaching is a really good combination uh where I can do both of those. So as we uh, start talking about the book, you mentioned uh, these buckets in the book. Did you want to break down? Uh, you can pick a couple that are your favorite or just the overall kind of buckets in the book, uh, the concepts that you're talking about for a, cup to, for a company to look at their output. Yeah. So the reason I call them buckets is because the, the reason people hire anybody in any company is to produce something. That something is an output. It could be produce sales. It could be make a change in status. So like a janitor doesn't make a room, but they make it cleaner. Uh, mm -hmm. It could be decisions or relationships, or any number of different kinds of things that are people are hired for. Those outputs fall into the same buckets for every company. So the first bucket is they have to make something, product or service, that people want to buy. If you don't have that, then you don't have a company. Then you have to find those people and sell to them. And those are all the outputs around marketing, sales, closing deals, et cetera. That's another bucket. You have to hire people, manage people, uh, train people. The, the people bucket is a whole nother one. Then there's a bucket of money. You have to track the money, get paid, pay the bills, learn what uh, analysis comes out of looking at your finances. So there's a money bucket. There's an information bucket so that information doesn't just live in people's heads, but it gets dispersed throughout the company. And then there's a scaling bucket of plans, growth, profitability. Uh, how do you get from here to there? So those, sim those buckets are all very similar at the highest level in a company. And the trick is to break them down to the detailed level so that you can get your people to produce the outputs in those buckets on a regular basis. Guys. Let me take a minute to tell you about my buddies over at LeadHub, Ben and Aaron, the best humans I know. Not only are they amazing at marketing for trade companies, but Ben started his HVAC company in his garage, sold it for multi-million dollars. So when this guy talks, I listen. When we took over Deets Mechanical, we had 22 reviews in 22 years in seven short months. We went from 22 reviews to 107. We went from a 4.2 to a 4.7. We tripled our Facebook presence and we tripled our calls. If you're an HVAC, plumbing, electric, landscaping company, and you're looking for a no BS approach to marketing, you're looking for people who have done it before, you got to go to leadhub.net. 
And when you talk about all those different buckets, right? Because I have different layers in my company. You have the offense people, you have the managers, and then you have the techs, plumbers, electrics, and everything. We always talk about how important as an overall team do they understand what we're doing as a company. One of the big things that we're working on right now that they never talked about was how to teach them what margin is, like actual Mm. margin, like how you make money. Like we can't just do that job because we'll just lose money. You know, what's your feel on like as a company gets bigger, it's hard to teach it at scale. But do you believe that everybody in the company should have kind of a working knowledge of those buckets of how a company operates? Oh, the, the, you're talking about the money bucket, you know, the financial yeah, yeah, analysis yeah, bucket. Very yeah. definitely they should. There's a great book uh, from decades ago now called The Great Game of Business by a guy named Jack Stack. And he bought out his company. Uh, the, they were going to close that, close the division. And he convinced a bunch of his partners to go buy it and then realized why is because it was losing money hand over fist. And he invented a concept or at least publicized it for the first time called open book management, where they had to teach people how the money flows throughout the organization. Mm -hmm. And they got to the point where there was one incident where I think it was truck drivers figured out that if they could do in 59 minutes, what normally took them an hour. So just the savings of one minute per hour, how much money that would mean to them over the course of a year. And which is normally something a business owner would think about, but you don't think of truck drivers thinking about it that way. Yeah. But, and he said it took a lot of education to do that, but then it got everybody seeing that they were working for the same goal and how they could all benefit from it. So yes, it's very important for people to know that. And see, that's the thing I never understood till I got in this sector. I've watched guys leave, start over new after working somewhere for years for a dollar more an hour. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, you can't just, have that conversation and say, I need a dollar more an hour for me to not to leave to start over from nothing. But like, that's because my guys always ask me the same thing. They want to learn how to save money. They want to learn how to be better with their finances. So it's an overall education where what I've been doing with like books like yours that I'll do shortly is I've been meeting my sales guys and whoever else wants, and we read a book, we read a couple chapters and then we talk about it. And then we talk about why that is the thing. And you just start seeing like light bulbs come on. And I don't think enough companies get into education with their employees. I, I agree with you. And part of the reason is, uh, I don't know part of the reason, but part of the thing behind that is people work for a company for other reasons than just the money. Mm-hmm. They, they like the camaraderie. They like the kind of work that they do. They feel good doing the work that they're doing. Uh, some people want a career path. Some people aren't don't care so much about it. And and I see this with searchers who maybe come out of Wall Street or banking or something, uh, never had a never run a business, but they decide they want to buy one. So their peer group is often very career oriented and looking to advance. And then they buy a plumbing company or an HVAC company or some something where there's a lot of blue collar workers who don't really care about being up, being a manager or moving up through the ranks. They want to do a good job. They take pride in what they do. And at the end of the day, they want to go home mm-hmm. and they want to go fishing on the weekends or whatever it is. And they don't want that hanging over them the way it does for us business owners. You know, mm-hmm. one of the things I hear from my clients who are our business owners, I can't let 
down. This is, you know, 24 seven. I'm thinking about this. I'm, and I go, yeah. yeah, you are. And it doesn't mean it has to ruin your life. You can manage that and you can learn how to deal with it. But realize that not everybody in your company is thinking that way. Mm-hmm. And at first, people say to me, oh, I wish they thought more like owners. And I say, no, you don't. Because if they're any good, they'd be your competitors. Mm-hmm. You want to want people who want to do a good job and are happy to turn it off because they're people that can work for us. And so you have to meet people where they're at and deal with them that way and give them what they want in a way that helps you get what you want. When you're coaching these people and you're coaching these businesses, have you, as you have been for years, I, I know I have personally, um, there seems to be similar veins of issues or problems running through uh, no matter what they do, if it's all different businesses, personal, older, younger, have you seen a set of like one to two to three, like common problems that you uh, establish uh, no matter what they're doing that you've seen over the years of your coaching? I think that I'll answer that in two ways. On a personal level, the two biggest problems I see are people who are very intuitive and very good at what they do but they don't know how to reproduce it. They're not Mm -hmm. process oriented. Mm -hmm. And so they build a company to a point where everything depends on them and then they get burnout. Uh, The other personal side of it is people not being self-aware of their emotions and they react to their emotions rather than feel their emotions, label their emotions and say, okay, I'm angry or I'm disappointed in this person. Now what's the best way to do something about it? and separate from that. So those are the two uh, personal things. The business side of things is they don't get systematic. They don't realize that the outputs the business needs can be produced by systems and processes. And when you break those systems and processes down to subsystems, you can then get really good results from average people following a really good process. And, and so that's the rub, right? Um, I feel like in my younger years, like my output was high, but my impact was low in my dollars <laughs> and in my extra time because I was working four jobs, but I felt like I was doing so much. Now I only seek one thing and one thing only. How do I take my time and get the highest output on the back end? That's all I care about right now. So you're saying that if a company at scale, use mine, for example, HVAC Plumbing Electric, you're saying if we build out proper checklist, we build out proper systems, they understand exactly what they're doing, then they're not um, uh, free ranging for themselves. They can systematize and get better. And you know, as a company, if they process oriented, which is something we've been working on like all year. Yeah. So if you think about the the people you hire who interact directly with the customers, mm-hmm. um, they are either selling or doing their techs, doing the service, or both. Sometimes you, you, you want your techs to also upsell. Some of them are good at it, some of them aren't. The, all those people are producing an output, and that output depends on the nature of the job and, and the level of training and that kind of thing. But the next level up is a team leader who's helping those people produce better outputs or produce more outputs or produce outputs more efficiently. Well, a team leader's output is not the same as a tech. 
or a sales manager's output is not the same as a salesperson. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Their output is to manage their people and to help their people to do better. The next level up is what's in uh, bigger companies called middle management. Small companies don't have a lot of this level, but it's the allocation of resources. So a middle manager might be given a project and say, like you know, let's say in a HVAC company, maybe you're opening a, a, a different part of town. You've never been in that part of town, never been which in that are, city. Which we are right now, yes. There you go. So you have, you may be serving as that middle manager saying, I think we need to invest this much money, hire this many techs, do this much advertising, and we expect it will take six months before it pays for itself. And, mm -hmm. and that's those kind of allocation of resources. That's the output from a second level manager. That's a very different output from a team leader whose job is to say, hey, you got these techs, make them more productive. Um, and then the third level top management, their job is to, their output is to come up with strategy. Mm -hmm. What game are we playing? What, where are we gonna be, how are we gonna be good at that game? And so mm -hmm. if you, let's say, are HVAC, and you said, you know what? A lot of our customers also need plumbing. We want to go into the plumbing business. That's mm -hmm. a strategic decision, which is different than saying, we want to stay in HVAC, but we want to double our geographic footprint. Let me let me give you a, like a real life so people can get an understanding. So there's an area that we're moving into. The average population is almost 5X than where our current county, right? Well, that's great, but here's the problem. There, the the average home in that area is only uh, 10 years old. The average home in our area is almost 50 to 80, okay? So the HVAC needs of that company are not there for another high-end needs, are not there for another two to three years, five years replacement-wise, so only yeah. repair. So we strategically said we're going to go in as plumbing first because plumbing's always needed. Get the name known. And then in a couple of years, release the HVAC on the thing. Yeah. So that's a, a top level management decision of deciding strategy. Then mm -hmm. you go down from there and say, okay, allocation of resources, that's level two management outputs. Mm -hmm. how, how are we going to get there with how much plumbing uh, do we need to saturate, to get our name out? Mm -hmm. And then the third level is how do we get team leaders who can make their teams productive. And so you've got the, it all wrapped up. In all the scale, at least the hardest thing, one of my favorite quotes of all time, Warren Buffett, but Andrew Wilkinson says it all the time, to a, to a man with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. Uh, so the hardest thing I'm getting my managers to do who'd never been manager before, we didn't even have division managers before us, um, is that they can't speak to everybody the same way. The 50-year-old right. HVAC service guy and the 22-year-old care about two totally different things. And getting him to not be frustrated, right, when uh, – so what, what I've done, and this is hard because you're busy, is I have made a decision. Then I've gone back a couple hours later and then described to them why I made that decision. Yeah. So then they can start thinking about what we're doing. But, but what we found is that if you give them something, and here's the most important part, listen to them also because they're in the field and tweak it and, and where you cave, you know, like see a lot of people don't see the nuance of like higher level management. 
is like a lot of the times I'll know what their answer is going to be two weeks from now, but I'll set it up so they feel like they came to me with the answer two weeks from now. I'll I'll, I'll say something dumb on purpose. Say you know that's that's that we could do a whole other podcast on that. That's that's different yeah, management yeah. altogether. But but what I found is for me personally is that somebody who doesn't love spreadsheets and all those things, right? But what I actually crave is discipline and process. It's just very hard for me to see it. If somebody else wants to put process on me, like if you're not on my calendar, I'm not, I forget, like the brain can't even comprehend, but you would have never thought in my twenties, I'd be like getting up at 5 a.m. every morning doing my walk. But there is discipline to freedom. And I think that's what your book is, is overall trying to say is like, when you create these things, you actually can scale quicker and with less uh, chaos, and a lot of people rail and fight up against that because they're, I guess, they're stubborn or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and the ideal set of systems allows everybody to play at the top of their game. And I learned this from a guy where I live in Pittsburgh, who's the head of uh, joint replacement at McGee Women's Co- Women's Hospital, and so he has this process called patient center focus where they look at everything from driving in the driveway to three months after the rehabilitation. What does it look like to the patient? And what he said was this idea of everybody playing at the top of their game means a doctor who's an MD does not do anything that a nurse practitioner is licensed to do. And they only do things that MDs are licensed to do. And the nurse practitioner doesn't do anything that an RN, a registered nurse, is licensed to do. And they don't do anything that an LPN, you know, it pushes it all the way down. What he found was there's better patient outcomes. There's better uh, satisfaction of the people doing the work. And there's better cost effectiveness. Now, Mm -hmm. in most businesses, you don't have the licensure that you do in healthcare to enforce that. So, but what your managers can do is take the guy who's 50 years old, has a lot of experience, has a lot of ability to, you know, maybe it solves certain kinds of problems and say, okay, we're going to just give you that stuff that you love to do and that you're really good at. And we're not going to make you fill out paperwork or do the grunt work. But then there's somebody else who's just learning and they might be good at that stuff and they're going to do that. And so we're going to separate the outcomes, the outputs that need to be produced by who's the best at doing them. So everybody plays at the top of their game. There are nuances in business that you did, what you just described was so money. We have a guy who's our commercial uh, uh, HVAC guy. Who's a manager kind of treats all the young kids like they're his kids. Uh He's never done sales a day in his life. He doesn't know what sales are, but he's just that guy. Like he knows the entire county. And my goal is to make him a sales guy, but more on a branding, like bring in new business. And he's like, I don't know, man. I just don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. I'm like, dude, we're going to make it so easy on you that like, that's one of my favorite things in business is take somebody that maybe they don't think, but with the right processes and the right understanding of how to, what an output looks like to them. That's see, that's the big thing is that we have not defined as people what our outputs are. Do you see that as well too? Like we haven't defined what success is to us. And sometimes the job titles get in the way of that because Ah, the, hate them. Well, if you look at the, 
sales process as a number of different outputs. First of all, yeah. there's a customer who has no idea who you are. Yep. So the first output is they learn about you and they, if they have an interest, they respond. Then you take that as an input and say, okay, what can we do to answer their questions, pique their interest? And at some point they will probably say, you know, I think I need this problem solved. And you go in with a solution. Maybe you go in with a bid. Maybe you go in with a proposal. Uh, those are all outputs. Mm -hmm. And if you just say, okay, you're a salesperson now, some people freak out. Um, I had a guy who was my collections guy. And, I mean, this was not the only thing he did, but one of the outputs that he produced was collecting money from delinquent accounts. And people loved him. I mean, he would call them up on the phone demanding money, and he was so great at it. And I said, oh, man, you ought to go into sales. And he would never go there <laughs> because he didn't like that title. Yeah. You know, but he was doing sales in a different capacity. And so if you break those sub those systems down into subsystems, your guy might be, oh, I can do proposals. That's cool. You know, uh, I can give you well, a list of people who are interested. See, commercial, see, this is what people don't talk about enough. And I should probably talk about this more because I didn't know till commercial HVAC is not a business that you do any marketing or sales for. It doesn't exist. 90% of the time we're dealing with architects, engineers, and maintenance guys. And the maintenance guy then tells the owner what to do. But here's the problem. 90 times out of 10, the maintenance guy used to do what we do and he sees BS. And, and so commercial is a hundred percent referral based. So I don't need you to be a salesman. I need you to be knowledgeable and I need you to be welcoming. And then we can handle the rest in the back end. There you go. So you have described those outputs yeah. as being personable and welcoming and, you know, and you can describe behaviors that that results in. And those are your we, outputs. We took our lead tech who wasn't in love with managing people, turned him into a sales guy, and he's blowing records like it's going out of style. And he's like, I didn't even, he didn't even know what sales was. He's 51 years old. And, and so like I said, I think you're going to be really good at this because he's the most knowledgeable person I've ever met, right? And so for me, um, it all comes down to the output. If you know what you're seeking, right? If you know what target KPIs, you know what understanding and you have a reasonable time. Like one of my one of my good friends says, every investment looked upon the right time horizon is a great investment. Yeah, yeah, and, the timing is, think, is critical. And I think I think that we as people we're trying to grow too fast when business really is an organism that takes a little time to mature, and and kind of like what's the um, what's the longest client you've ever coached? Like how long? Uh, how oh, long I've had it? clients for ten years. Okay, so yeah. 10 years. So who they were in year one and year 10, I would imagine. Very different. Very different people, right? Yeah. And I would imagine, more importantly, when they signed up for you one year, they didn't expect to be there 10 years. <laughs> right. And some of them don't stay that long because we, they get what they need and, and they move on. That's yeah. fine. Um, but if they want something new and I can provide it, I'm happy to keep going with them. So it just depends on the situation. There's so no long-term commitment. Yeah, so anybody that's looking to learn more about the book, um, kind of give them a brief overview uh, of the book and, and, and kind of uh, why, it's, why they think they should pick it up, because I definitely think they should. So the book is broken out into sections. The first section I talk about what 
an output is, how to think about the outputs of your company rather than the org chart of your company. And we describe six different kinds of outputs, the different properties that different outputs have. And then we talk about how you can use those, how you can be a better manager, how you can hire better, how you can do performance reviews better with output thinking. And then we talk about the systems that produce those outputs and how to make your systems repeatable, scalable. That's where the buckets come in that I mentioned before. Um, and then ultimately we talk about what the, the ultimate bucket is, what do you want from your company mm -hmm. as a business owner? Why are you in this in the first place? Not your vision for the company, but what, what is it you want from? And, and everybody wants three things that I've found. They want more money. They want time off, usually more time away from business. And they want work that they love. And then there's about a dozen other things that I found that people want that aren't universal. Some people love to travel. Some people want to move, have their company move them into being able to be philanthropies or build a hold company or, or whatever. Uh, so that is important too. What's driving you in this? And then dispersed throughout the book, I have 20 different exercises for what I call CEO time. So mm -hmm. block out a couple hours a week, same time every week, go to a different place, not your office, not where you normally work at home, and think about the more important but not urgent things in your company and have 20 exercises of how to do that in the book. So it's it's kind of all around uh, book for business owners. I, I, I think that that ultimate time, uh, and, and, and I was asked a couple times why I was at the event that you and I were both at, I think that we forget why we did this in the first place. I think the train likes the station. I think that we're like, and then we show up and we're like, I'm not do, I'm not like, I'm not happy. I've lost my connection with the thing that I'm doing because for me, I, I'm looking 20 years out and I'm trying to work backwards. So taking those steps that you're talking about in that book is, is so important. Um, what I want to say about you is when I meet people, because I meet a lot of them, especially with the podcast, you can typically tell in the first couple minutes whether or not they know what they're talking about. Uh, you uh, are so polished. You're so concise with your thinking. It's very firm thinking, uh, even in your writing and in, in your post. And so it's so great to have somebody of your knowledge to put it in a book and to share uh, with others. And I know a lot of people are going to get a ton of impact. Uh, out of the book. And it's just really great that you've condensed all your knowledge into something that people can learn from. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the kind words. So if people want to find you, they want to reach out to you, how will they do that? They can go to outputthinking.com and learn more about the book. And there's a link to Amazon that they can buy it. They can follow me on Twitter. I'm at BetterCEO. And they can also go to my website, ceobootcamp.com and learn about what I do in it. And uh, my bio in the Twitter thing has a link if somebody wants a free coaching session. So at Better CEO there. I love it, guys. Go pick up the book, uh, send it to a friend, rate us and review us, and we'll see you next time.